0: welcome to the democracy dispatch podcast i'm justin marsh political director at vermont conservation voters this is your weekly scoop on legislative action as we work to push forward environmental policies for vermont each monday we will take a look back at the week prior preview the week ahead and speak with legislators and advocates on topics affecting our air water open space and quality of life on today's episode we hear from addison senator christopher bray who chairs the senate committee on natural resources about the priorities for this session. Then I sit down with Senator Ann Watson and Representative Mike Rice, this biennium's winners of the VCV Rising Star Award. First, I want to bring in Lauren Hurl, Executive Director of Vermont Conservation Voters, for our session shakedown segment, where we recap the last week in the Statehouse and give a preview of what's in store. Wednesday was a big day for us as we unveiled the 2024 Environmental Common Agenda. We held a press conference in the State House in the morning, and then later in the day, we welcomed nearly 50 people to a reception in downtown Montpelier, where we also celebrated this biennium's Rising Star Award winners. It was great to see so many legislators and partners in the room. Lauren, you have another common agenda under your belt. Uh, What are some of the highlights of this year's?
1: Yeah, this year it was um, for one thing we had 19 organizations sign on, which was, I believe, a record-breaking number. So it's just great to see environmental organizations coming together to really highlight the urgency of action. And you know, coming out of a year with massive climate disruption and so much work to do, it's, I think it's just so valuable to have everyone pulling together and identifying really core priorities uh, that we need to work on.
0: Yeah. And uh, in the House this last week, we saw the Committee on Environment and Energy taking testimony on the Renewable Energy Standard, which should bleed into this week. Uh, And we also saw some uh, some, uh, House members and the governor back a tripartisan housing bill, age 719. Uh, what are our thoughts on that and other happenings in the lower chamber?
1: Yeah, so obviously housing is going to be a huge issue as it has been for a number of years, and there's going to be really, I think, interesting conversations about how do we move forward. And our position continues to be that we need to be looking for housing solutions that will jumpstart start. More housing, but we also want to make sure that it's being developed in smart locations, um, like our downtowns and village centers. And you know, we believe that we can both create new housing that is affordable across all income levels and um, put in locations where people can, you know, be in a downtown where they can walk to services and that kind of thing, you know, but we can also do that in ways where we can protect our natural resources. So it's kind of a both-and approach. And so, you know, there the proposal that came out from the governor and some other lawmakers, I think, tilts pretty heavily towards housing at all costs from my perspective. And we'll probably be, you know, I think there's some Uh, some ideas in there that will have a lot of discussion and we'll be looking for that balance of, you know, like, yes, housing and yes, protect our natural resources. So that's where I think a lot of the conversation is going to go from here. Uh, And then, as you mentioned, the other big thing that the House has been already working on is the updates to the renewable energy standard. And so that's been great to see all the work that was done um, before the session even started to pull stakeholders together, that that's kind of off to a running start. So we'll keep everyone posted on that.
0: Awesome. And and over in the Senate, the Committee on Natural Resources is focused on climate resiliency. What is the action over there?
1: Yeah, so they have already been digging in with, you know, watershed experts, Agency of Natural Resources staff that work in various programs to to dig into that resilience policy, So that one, again, is really focused on how are we managing new development in river corridors, Um, so like along our rivers and streams, how are we uh, making sure that we're not putting new development in places that are going to be at high flood risk. Um, It's looking at our wetlands. So these are kind of sponges on the landscape that can reduce flood risk and have a bunch of other... Um, ecological benefits for our communities. So looking at a potential net gain policy there. So how do we restore those? Uh, and then also looking at dams. Uh, so, you know, how are we assessing which dams are actually contributing and making flooding worse that might need to be removed and making sure that the dams are in are safe and well-maintained. So those are the, the core components of it. And they're just really getting into, into the weeds on, you know, what the issues are and how they can craft a policy that's gonna help um, reduce flood risk and make our uh, communities more resilient.
0: Yeah, and you also uh, had a nice conversation with the committee chair, Senator Chris Bray. Um, Ready to dive into that now?
1: Yeah, yeah. Senator Bray is gonna share a whole bunch of ideas on what, what issues might come up this year. And so let's go listen to that rundown.
0: All right, thanks, Lauren.
1: Thanks. I'm here today in one of the first weeks of the legislative session with Senator Chris Bray who is the chair of the Senate Committee on Natural Resources and Energy and Senator Bray has kindly offered to give us a sneak peek at some of the big priorities that he has come into this session uh, knowing that we've got a lot of our environmental issues are some of the highest profile issues of the year. Yeah. Uh, so, Senator, why don't you start with just giving us a high level and then we'll dig into um, one of the issues in a little more detail.
2: Sure. Um, well, thanks, Lauren. And it's always good to be back uh, back on the air with you. And we're up to another session. And this is going to be a really exciting and very busy session. We have a lot, a, a lot to do. We're being ambitious in part because with all the things happening in climate, we have to be ambitious. Um, so I'll go really quickly through a list of things that um, uh, introducing bills, working with others to bring in bills. Um, first off, although I think we won't act on it till the uh, a future biennium is to reintroduce a constitutional amendment, creating a, a right to clean air, clean water and a healthy environment. You know? All our environmental bills are based on that sensibility. But we don't have it in the most foundational document of all, the, the legal expression of our shared values, and if I think it's you know just essential that we, as a state, look each other in the eye and say you know this is a fundamental thing: clean air, clean water, a healthy environment, because it's the legal foundation for all the work we do. So we'll start the conversation this year, um, but. We'll have to wait another biennium to actually take it up and give it the careful consideration that it merits. Um, the first big bill we're doing, and we've already started, it's S-213. It's a climate uh, change resilient act, uh, you know, that, and it's focused on natural resource connections to um, uh, doing better work and planning and management around uh, flooding. So. We're looking at how we manage river corridors, how we manage wetlands, and how we manage uh, dams. Those three things are the starters for it. The bill, I think, will likely get bigger than that over time. I've been calling it a bus, and only three seats are occupied so far. I know there's a broader interest in just those issues um, in terms of how we manage natural resources and ourselves uh, in the light of flooding, which, uh, sadly, We knew it was coming. We've talked about how all the data suggests it's only going to be a more regular and um, damaging event. And uh, it's happening. So we need to be responsive. And our tools are dated and fragmented. For instance, river corridors are managed on a patchwork basis, town by town by town. Some don't manage at all. Some have a staff that can really dig into it. Others have almost no staff at all. waterways are an integrated resource and we should have an integrated management plan and that means using the state to manage rather than just asking towns to pick it up one by one by one Um, very briefly other bills so we'll be looking at the residential and commercial building energy standards it's the law in vermont that you have to build to that energy standard Um, but for many people they don't know it's the law we don't have much of a program behind it to help Publish those rules, uh, educate people about those rules, offer training, offer inspection, offer compliance. You know, it's um, it's a, a really important program, especially when you think of if you build a home to uh, that's not performing well in terms of energy, you just created an, you know, and I'll call it an energy hog, and it's going to be that for. Who knows how long? 50 years, 100 years, 200 years? We have some very old houses, so let's build it right from the from the start. And then for the builders who already build to code, let's level the playing for the field for them. Because if you're building to code and you're getting your bid is undercut by someone who doesn't bother to build a code. That's unfair to the builders who are really doing the kind of work that we want to see for all Vermonters. We'll be looking at solid waste again, Uh, the world of batteries. We have extended producer responsibility in batteries. Batteries keep changing. Lithium-Ion rechargeable batteries weren't uh, part of the mix when we got started. We need to update to uh, include those. Uh, Fish and wildlife. There's been uh, a lot of discussion in the last several years around um, uh, trapping and uh, fish and wildlife board itself. So we're going to be digging into the fish and wildlife board and the, some issues related uh, to you know you know what happens out on the land. We, it's an important conversation that I think. We need to have, and I think there's going to be opportunities for a fair, balanced way to make real progress there this session. Um, Renewable Energy Standard is a bill I worked on in 2015. It's near and dear to my heart. It is starting in the House, um, and there's really a—I'll a, just say really briefly—the there are many aspects of it that are helpful in terms of bringing more clean power into Vermont. Either it's generated here or brought in from outside, but the the key provision in it for me is that it pushes us to 100% renewable like 2030. And the reason I think that's crucial is we have talked for years about uh, shifting from heating and driving around using fossil fuels by shifting over to electricity. But that it's only an improvement really if you also have a clean grid. Happily, because of our work in 2015, on the current res, we have the cleanest grid and power in the U.S., but it's still only about two-thirds. And so, to make it a fully genuine claim, then we need to get to 100%. Um, and the other thing that goes with that is um, equity. You know, we we have to be absolutely sure that we offer every Vermonter an equal opportunity part of the clean energy future. And when you make the grid clean, uh, that means every switch that ever gets thrown on in the state is drawing clean power in, regardless of your where you live, whether it's your home, it's an apartment, whether you're wealthy, whether you're not wealthy. It's a, a, a perfectly, perfectly equitable uh, strategy for um, uh, bringing that clean energy to every Vermonter. So I'm looking forward to that. We also have a geothermal networks bill. Um, In a way, just like we created uh, communication union districts to help build up broadband around Vermont, that was a a legal entity that had uh, certain powers and abilities to raise money and manage itself. That's been hugely helpful on broadband. Geothermal can benefit from a similar thing where we uh, empower a municipality to create in essence a utility that's a that's going to use geothermal energy to do something akin to district heat so that's pretty exciting we will also be seeing i'm sure active 50 work coming out of economic development coming out of the house um i think you know we all have different roles to play i think one of the roles for this committee To continue to play is to um, not let Act 250 be characterized with a far too broad brush as delivering um, very little in value and mostly obstacles. I think Act 250 has been the backbone of 50 years of development that's helped Vermont preserve its villages and town centers while keeping green spaces outside, smart growth, and I think it's going to be, um, I'm an unabashed supporter of being smart about how we develop the extent that, to which we rely on act 250 to do that. I'm always open for a good conversation on that. Um, good planning is good planning, regardless of the level it happens at, but I'll just say one last little pitch, you know, when people think that we should just do it at the town level. Towns are a relatively small piece of the, each town is a relatively small piece of the state. And just like when we, need, we are gonna talk about waterways, they're an integrated resource. We need to be conscious of the fact that towns have impacts on adjoining towns. They have impacts on the rivers that go through those towns. So um, planning needs to be bigger than just looking at what's going on in your block or your neighborhood. And act 250 for 50 plus years has helped us have that broader perspective and a forum in which to have that conversation so that's a quick tour
1: well that is an ambitious and uh, important agenda <laughs> thank you for that that overview lots of issues that we will be digging into much more in the coming weeks i know your committee already has been uh, rolling up its sleeves and getting going on the resilience bill, looking at how we manage our waterways, our rivers, streams, wetlands, and dams in particular. And as you said, um, there's lots of ideas circulating about climate resilience, flood response. So um, looking forward to that conversation. Uh, any last thoughts before I let you go?
2: Um, well, sure. If, if people, uh, our committee has been, uh, the happy recipients of a lot of great education uh, starting um, earlier this week uh, we were we had uh, people from the river programs in current and past so if people really want to dig into how do we manage floodplains, rivers the national flood insurance program fema operations uh, it's a complicated puzzle and we're learning about it right now we just had another day of great testimony. We will again tomorrow. So if people go through and go to our committee page and check out the videos from this week, it's like a primer on river corridors, um, and then tomorrow we'll be picking up again wetlands and dams. So That's great. If, you, if you're a, a, a natural resource wonk, it'll be the, pl- it'll be the place to go.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your leadership and taking up these important issues, and we look forward to working with you this year to move these forward.
2: Same here. Oh, can I say one more thing before we go? Uh, I want to give a shout-out to uh, the Vice Chair of Senate Natural Resources and Energy, Ann Watson, who received an award yesterday from Vermont Conservation Voters as the rising star, and I'm very happy that her star is rising while she's serving this committee because already um she's helping us do better work
1: that's great yes we are very excited to give senator watson that award and look forward to working with you and the rest of your committee thanks so much senator take care Bye.
0: and now it's time for my interview with senator watson and representative rice winners of this biennium's vcv rising star award The Rising Star Award is presented to two freshman legislators who have shown immense leadership and demonstrated thoughtful championing of our environmental priority policies. Senator Ann Watson is a Democrat slash progressive from Barrie who represents the Washington District. Representative Mike Rice is a Democrat from Dorset who also represents the towns of Danby, Mount Tabor, Peru, and Landgrove in the Bennington-Rutland District. Both were elected in 2022 and began serving in 2023. Watson is vice chair of the Senate Committee on Natural Resources and also sits on the Senate Committee on Government Operations, while Rice is a member of the House Committee on Agriculture, Food Resiliency, and Forestry. Fittingly, they both hold a perfect 100% environmental voting record. Welcome to the podcast, Representative Rice, and welcome back, Senator Watson. Thanks for joining me. Thanks
3: for having us. Yeah,
0: thanks for having us. Good to be here. Senator Watson, it's uh, sort of safe to say that you've been a powerhouse even prior to being elected to the Senate. You served on Montpelier City Council and later led the city to adopt some very progressive and in some cases first in the state policies as mayor. Do you think your stint in municipal government set you up for success in the Senate?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... It was super helpful, especially um in, you know in terms of uh, dealing with controversial issues and being able to hold an, uh, like an open mind and be able to hear people and hear their concerns and hear uh, you know various opinions. <clears throat> and it's it was also really good, you know, just to to practice like a uh, I guess what I would call like a legal or a uh, a public process of problem solving, right? like how do we take? Uh, the issues that um, that we're dealing with as a society and you know how can we apply um our our statutes or ordinances uh, to help try to solve them and that's what I was doing at the city level and that is sort of what I'm doing here at the state level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um and representative race, you're a younger member of the house but you have been advocating for natural resources and environment up to serving, uh, what sort of inspired you to run for house and tell us a little bit about the work that you did prior um, to, to serving.
4: Yeah, sure. So I, uh, I moved to Vermont first to work on a farm. Um, it was supposed to be just, uh, just a few months, just a temporary thing. And uh, I just totally fell in love with Vermont, with the landscape and with the people. Um, ended up doing my master's in food and ag policy at Vermont law school and then uh, spent a few years working for uh, NOFA, the Northeast Organic Farming Association. Um, and in that time, moved to the community where I live now and represent, and just thought um, it would be really important to have some new, younger representation in the House. Um, and I wanted to engage on on policy issues. And when you live down in the uh, southwestern corner of Vermont, it can feel a little bit... Um, Distant from some of the uh, policy decisions that are being made up here in Montpelier. Um, so I decided to to get involved and uh, and run for the house myself.
0: Yeah, and you and you joined the Climate Solutions Caucus prior to even being sworn in, which is uh, clearly a testament to your willingness to jump right into some of these complex issues and and really lead on them. What were some accomplishments that you're most proud of as your in your first year as representative?
4: Yeah, I think I actually attended my first Climate Solutions Caucus meeting before I had even been elected. It was like summer of 2022, and I drove up and um, met a bunch of people for the first time and got really excited about the, the work the caucus was doing, was glad to um, be able to join them uh, after after election for a meeting um, in December of that year, I think, um, and, and uh, have been really happy to be able to join the leadership team there and and get to work. Obviously, a lot of the energy of the caucus last year was taken up in in making sure that we got the Affordable Heat Act across the finish line. Um, And then, you know, I've been really excited to dig in on some uh, work related to the environment in uh, our House Committee on Agriculture, Food Resiliency and Forestry. We saw um, some activity uh, around 30 by 30 uh, as it was making its way through the process and before it went to the House floor. Um, I was really proud of our committee's work on universal school meals. Um, we, we really dug in and, and made sure that uh, we passed great policy that uh, ensured uh, that every Vermont student uh, had access to uh, breakfast and lunch every day and that those conversations were being connected to, to supporting Vermont's um, farmers and, and food system economy. So really proud of that work too.
0: Yeah, that, those were incredible lifts uh, that your committee and your, and your chamber certainly took on. Uh, Senator Watson, you sit on two committees of jurisdiction for our policies. Uh, so we are certainly not strangers. You helped shepherd many of our policies through committee and bringing along the rest of your chamber as well. Uh, you've been a science and math teacher for the last two decades. Did you find yourself flexing those skills as an educator when it came to informing your fellow legislators and as well as your constituents? Uh,
3: You know, I I did, uh, particularly uh, with the Affordable Heat Act from last session. It was uh, really helpful to be able to take a you know, a, pr- a pretty big bill and uh, break it down into digestible, comprehensible parts, um, you know, t- thinking about like, what is the most essential like information that people need to know in order for this to make sense, uh, or to understand the logic uh, behind uh, what, what was motivating it and why we made the decisions we did. Uh, so all of that uh, was, <laughs> it was really helpful to have Uh, some background as an educator uh, for, for that purpose. I mean, so much of what we do as politicians is, is, uh, is education, you know, what are we working on and, um, you know, trying to explain what, what we feel like we're learning. I mean, we're a a citizen legislature. So, you know, we, we kind of also have to be students ourselves, you know, to, to understand uh, what, uh, what, how, how government is functioning and, and what, um, what they're doing, uh, but then to be able to then communicate that back out to constituents um, is is really important. Plus, I, I guess I would also say, I mean, one of the important uh, roles of of a teacher is to be able to to hear your students well and to uh, to to know what their concerns and questions are. And you know, in a in a way like that, um, is is just really helpful. You know, in terms of uh, being able to. Uh, to hear constituents too, to to anticipate, right? Like this is, uh, this is what this person needs and how am I going to be a good advocate for them? Uh, you know, in this larger uh, body, um, you know, because we do that as teachers as
0: well. Yeah, that's an interesting, yeah, an interesting side note, of course, yeah, listening is also part of that equation. Oh,
3: for um,
0: sure. Yeah. So uh, Representative Rice, so I Love your emails. You have you do a fantastic job communicating what's going on in Montpelier to your constituents. Um, even though I'm not your constituent, but I love getting the emails. Thank you. I know it can be a really challenging task. Do you find that it's that it's challenging to convey, um, you know, the work that you're doing, some of these really complex stuff to um, to the folks down in your district?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said. It does feel, my district does feel sometimes really uh, far away from the process up here. Um, we're, uh, we're two plus hours, depending on where you are, uh, from the state statehouse. Um, we often get different um, media coverage. You know, sometimes we'll have, it feels like we're connected to the to coverage coming out of the Albany State Capitol in New York, uh, more so than, than out of the statehouse here in Montpelier. Um, so I see it as a really important part. I think it's an important, important part of um, all of our jobs uh, here in the House and the Senate to be communicating what's going on back to our constituents. But I see it as being even more important because oftentimes I'm the, I'm, I can be the first and or only one um, talking about these issues, bringing the work uh, from the Statehouse back to my district. So um, I do you know, try to really communicate both about, first of all, just frequently um, really not not letting too many weeks go by because so much can be jammed into a week uh, of our work here. Um, and really trying to update both on what's happening on the floor, uh, how things are moving through the process uh, from one committee to another or from one body to another. Um, I just think it's a, a really important part of my work and, and uh, I'm glad uh, it's uh, valuable for my constituents and for others.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I. I said it at the reception on Wednesday, uh, but I'll say it again here. I definitely implore any legislator listening to, to subscribe to your emails, to see them, uh, to get a sense of them and maybe use them as a template for theirs. Um, and when we spoke last week uh, you about you winning this award, you shared a really cute story um, about when you were young. And I tried to relay that to the audience the other night, but I would <laughs> love for you uh, to share it here now to the listeners.
4: Well, Justin, as I told you, Uh, I have been uh, an environmental advocate since um, before I can even remember all the details. So a story that uh, has been passed along uh, often in my family um, is that when I was in preschool, uh, maybe three or four years old, I uh, was sitting around the arts and crafts table. Um, We were doing a lot of projects involving uh, like colored construction paper, cutting shapes out um, and I knew that at home we uh, had a serious recycling program in our garage. We would separate our cardboards and our uh, aluminum and our plastic. And I became very concerned that this was not happening in my preschool classroom and uh, just jumped into action, took it upon myself to fill my little backpack with everyone's paper scraps every afternoon and bring them home uh, to my house to make sure they got recycled properly. Um, it's a story that my that my mother loves to uh, tell. I think she probably looks back on it with more fondness than she may have had for the backpacks full of um, recycling scraps coming into the house every day. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's just um, it has it's a funny way of of uh, being able to see the through through line that this has been um, really important to me um, for a really long time.
0: Yeah, it's such it's such a good story. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> um, I know that you're you're both. It's the we're recording this at the end of a very busy week, um, and I don't want to keep you too long. But I want to, in wrapping up. I I want to s- give you both a chance to to sort of share what some environmental or democracy pro- policies that you are like most looking forward to seeing get across the finish line by the end of the biennium. Uh, Senator Watson, let's start with you.
3: Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, so in both government operations and natural resources, we are uh, discussing climate resiliency and uh, the recent flooding, and basically, uh, what is government's response going to be uh, to the to those events, to this in- increased uh, precipitation that we are starting to see more consistently, um, you know, with more flooding. So uh, both of them are going to be pretty big bills. You know, thinking about um, things like. Uh, river corridors and and wetlands and dams and uh, but then also you know in terms of uh government's uh response to that you know thinking about uh how we can be supporting our municipalities um through these these kinds of events that kind of thing and then um i know that we are likely to take up uh act 250 uh, this session and that is it's a, it's a super important piece of legislation and uh, you know so I, I mean we know that we have uh, housing crisis right now uh, and at the same time uh, at, you know Act Two Fifty seems like it is uh, ripe for some uh, modernization you know in terms of having it uh, even work even better for our landscape and for our wildlife so. Um, I'm looking forward to taking that up. And just in terms of democracy, I mean, I am a huge fan of ranked choice voting, and that is out of our committee at this point, but um, my hope is that it could be uh, moved along uh, in the House.
0: Yeah, I, I have that same desire, Senator Rice. <laughs> uh, Representative Rice, what about you?
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, uh, everything that Senator Watson mentioned, I'm excited to um be diving in on uh from the climate solutions caucus perspective and and really hopeful for some getting some really great work across the finish line um i'm also you know it's i'm really passionate about um trying to bridge the gap between what has historically sometimes been a a complicated conversation in the relationship between um our environmental community and our farming community. Uh, I'm really excited about some work that I'm hopeful um, we'll get a chance to dig into on the House Agriculture Committee. Um, We have uh, uh, the proposal to uh, restrict the use of neonicotinoid pesticides on our wall. Um, Really excited about digging into that um, pesticide reform. Uh, Also excited about doing some work on, on Encouraging farming practices that are beneficial to soil health, uh, carbon sequestration, um, and, and uh, really supporting the farmers uh, that feed our communities and are, uh, are practicing uh, responsible uh, farming uh, techniques uh, across, across the state that, that are good for both our, our food system, our communities, um, and uh, our planet.
0: Yes, definitely. Looking forward to working with you uh, this year on the neonicotinoid pesticide uh, policy for sure. And you were you were unable to be at our reception last Wednesday because you were still on the floor well into the evening. Um, so you didn't accept our award, which doesn't actually exist yet. Um, but when we do have those physical awards, we will be sure to find time to honor you again um, and get um, the the boisterous applause that Senator Watson was able to receive. Um, But in the meantime, I want to go out on Senator Watson's acceptance speech from the other night. And of course, thank you both so much for being here and chatting with me today. Thanks, Justin. Thanks again. Take care.
3: (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's so humbling to receive this award. So very grateful. And of course, uh, you know, doing all of this work, it isn't obviously just me. It is the team. It is all of us on on the committees uh, and legislators, but it is also all of you who are involved in helping make this work happen, and uh, super grateful for, for the work of everyone in this room. Um, I do want to tell like, just a real quick story, um, just something, of, uh, you know, since we're all you know, passionate about the environment here. One of the things that uh, gives me hope uh, is actually spending time with high school students, believe it or not. Um, I highly recommend it, most days, most days. It is great. Um, And one of the things I love about spending time with high school students is because uh, they're they're so uh, just clear about like, just do the right thing. It doesn't matter that res reform is complicated, just do what's right. Okay, all right, let's just keep that that focus, great. Um, And uh, I I took a bunch of students up to a uh, renewable energy conference um, this last semester. And one of the things that I found very heartening about that experience was that uh, every single student who I brought with me on that trip said that, first of all, going to the conference was valuable to them. And uh, you may be able to guess what their favorite part was, uh, which was touring all of the booths um, in, the, in the perimeter, right, and getting all the freebies, but having conversations with all of those, uh, those vendors um, at the same time. And I asked them, can you picture yourself working for one of those companies in the future. And every single one of them said yes. And that to me, that gives me hope. Uh, We are going in the right direction. The kids know where we ought to go. Um, And so uh, I'm I'm so thankful for this award and um, trying to stay true to doing what's right. So um, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. (laughs) I want to thank our guests, Senator Bray, Senator Watson, Representative Rice, and of course, Lauren Hurl for assisting me. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and give it a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at VoteGreenVT, YouTube and Instagram at VT Conservation Voters, and find us on Facebook as well. You can subscribe to our emails, see our legislative environmental scorecard, and learn more about our work and policies by visiting VermontConservationVoters.org. If you have an idea for a story or want to provide feedback, email me at jmarsh at vermontconservationvoters.org. Next week, we plan to check in with Representative Sheldon to hear more about the House Committee on Environment and Energy's work. And we will also be talking all things dams with ecologist Karina Daly of the Vermont Natural Resources Council. Until then, thanks for listening.